Hey everyone, welcome to the Live to 110 podcast. I am your host, Wendy Myers, and you can find me on liveto110.com. And you can find me all over social media at wendymyers110.com. Please, please leave a review of the podcast on iTunes. If you've been enjoying the show, it really helps me to reach more people and get my message out there about how to heal the body naturally and how to detox the body and all the things that I love to talk about on the podcast. I have a new book on Amazon. It is called Limitless Energy, How to Detox the Toxic Metals to and exhaustion and chronic fatigue. And it's one of my my big platforms where I really am so passionate about educating people on the harm that toxic metals are causing their body and how it's really, you know, putting a damper on your ability to produce energy. There's so many metals like arsenic, aluminum, tin, thallium, lead, and mercury, which I talk about in the book, and exactly how, based on scientific research, they are interfering in your body's ability to produce energy. And that's why people are addicted to stimulants. I've been there myself. I used to be addicted to all kinds of stimulants um, because I was just desperate for energy. I didn't know how uh, to get energy other than drinking coffee and five-hour energy and all the other things that people do and they take supplements like ginseng and other kinds of things, and they're all in vain uh, because you have to get to the underlying root cause of the problem, which in part is detoxification of these metals that poison enzymes that take nutrients into mitochondria. So in the book, I'm going to detail how to detox all these metals so that you can reclaim your life and get your energy back and free yourself from fatigue. So go check it out on amazon.com and type in hashtag limitless energy. Today, we have a very special guest, Razzie Berry, and she is the host of the upcoming The Heart Revolution, how to address heart disease naturally and call attention to it and ways that you can address heart disease in ways that you you weren't thinking about at a very revolutionary summit. And I spoke on it. I spoke about a little known cause of hardening of the arteries called cadmium toxicity. Uh, There's other toxicities as well, like lead and other things that I talk about and how they contribute to heart disease and how when you detox these things, you can help to improve or even completely reverse heart disease. And it's a cadmium toxicity, I believe is a huge, huge factor in causing heart disease because it's so ubiquitous in our environment. That's why smokers get heart disease because they get so cadmium toxic and not to mention other toxins as well. And uh, the cadmium is in our fish supply. Uh, So when coal is burned, that cadmium mercury from the coal fossil fuels gets into the air and then it settles in our ocean and then bioaccumulates in our fish. Cadmium can be in coffee. These are just some of the things that I talk about on uh, the heart revolution, which you definitely tune into. The links will be on the blog post and uh, Razzie Berry's podcast post on livedo110.com. Please keep in mind that this podcast is not intended to diagnose or treat any disease or health condition and is not a substitute for professional medical advice. The Live to 110 podcast is solely informational in nature, so please consult your healthcare practitioner before engaging in anything that we suggest today on the show. 
Our guest, Razzy Berry, is a publisher of the award-winning journal, Naturopathic Doctor News and Review, which you can find at ndnr.com, and the naturopathic website for patients, the natpath.com. Razzy is passionate about teaching people how to live more naturally in the modern world through the principles of naturopathic medicine, through which she healed from chronic fatigue syndrome, fibromyalgia, uh, fibromyalgia, and infertility. She is the host of the heartrevolution.org, where more than 60 doctors, scientists, relationship experts, and spiritual teachers teach us how to heal, empower, and follow our hearts. Learn more about Razzy Berry at the natpath.com and theheartrevolution.org. Razzy, thank you so much for coming on the show. Thanks, Wendy. I love when we get a chance to talk. And I'm just a huge fan of the work you do. I mean, living to 110, that is such an important goal. And, you know, we know that we are designed by nature or the design team to live and thrive and live out all of our days with a lot of health. So I'm really happy to be here with you. Yeah, that's my goal. I'm trying to live to 110. Uh, well, you just, look great so far. I have to just uh, really discipline myself and not eating sugar. And it might happen, but I don't know. <laughs> we'll see. So wanting to the listeners a little about yourself and, and your background, how you got into health. Yeah, so um, I have, you know, like most of us, we have our own health challenges. And so mine started when I was very young, actually. But the one that really brought me into the health business. I'm publisher of an award-winning journal, Naturopathic Doctor News and Review. It's been in print. It's a printed journal since 2005. And we also have, it's also online at ndnr.com. And um, what started that was my journey through fibromyalgia and chronic fatigue syndrome, which led to chronic infertility. So sometimes these things kind of glue themselves together and I was being seen you know by all the top doctors and finally found myself at the Mayo Clinic and the conventional medicine was doing nothing for me but I was sort of I grew up sort of brainwashed into conventional medicine Wendy I thought that anything that's not an MD I thought chiropractors were quacks I thought DOs (laughs) were quacks like that's just you know what I mean like health coaches heck no you know and so the last thing in the world I would have ever done is go see a naturopath but I was going through the Mayo Clinic and you know they treated me like you know the migraines were just in my head and the dysmenorrhea was just in my you know ovaries and the pain was just you know nerves and they really just put me on one pill after another to the point where I was on a pill to go to sleep at night, a pill to wake up in the morning, a pill to get through the day, pill for pain, and it was just too much. So I left there and a rheumatologist said, you just need to go on disability. I mean, the pain of chronic fatigue and fibromyalgia is so severe that I remember one point crawling across the floor of the apartment that I lived in to get to the bathroom thinking like, really, this is like disability? Like I'm gonna just, live like this and just take a government check and some prescriptions every month. Like I just wanted to live, right? Let alone live to 110. I just wanted to live through the days. So I reluctantly went to a naturopathic doctor. I was terrified. I thought it was like witch medicine. (laughs) And (laughs) it just changed my life. Um, You know, and detox was the biggest part of it. I had worked prior in this, in an industry in real estate and new home sales where I was around carpet glues and paints and all sorts of off-gassing. And we know there's all sorts of 
solvents and metals and a lot of these things and the dust from all the construction. And we really believe that that is what led to my diagnosis. Um, and to have somebody listen, because doctors before told me that it was all in my head. I'm sure a lot of your listeners have had, you know, especially with toxicities of different kinds have gone through that where the doctor, they don't know the right things to test for, right? So, so I did get tested for solvents and metals and parabens and things like that and had high levels. So we did a lot of detoxing and stuff. And after that, I just became so passionate about naturopathic medicine that I wanted to kind of even evangelize. So I had always really loved research and writing and editing. And so I just decided to leave that job and start a journal. I had also married a naturopathic physician. So I got really immersed. You know, he was still in school at the time. So I, I was just like obsessed and read all his notes and felt like I was going through it with him. And and then, you know, so that, so 13 years later, it's still, um, it's, a, it's a case study journal. So it's doctors sharing cases with each other. And that's, that's where I got started. Yeah, that's so interesting. And I just applaud you for doing that is we just need so many voices out there. We need an army of people out there talking about naturopathic medicine and detoxifications and alternative and uh, things to conventional yeah. medicine where they're not looking at the underlying root cause <coughs> of health issues. And that brings us to heart disease. Uh, so we're going to be talking about uh, heart disease, many facets of that, because I think that's very poorly managed by conventional medicine. So many people go to their conventional medical doctor and they're simply put on statin cholesterol lowering medications, or they're given blood thinners and other types of things. And I saw my father on, my father suffered from a heart disease, metabolic syndrome for many, many years. And I witnessed his steady, slow decline on statin medications. So I'm a, a big advocate against statin medications. And so I, I really applaud your efforts to help educate people about natural means and things they can do to uh, prevent and reverse heart disease. And so you uh, brought together a lot of experts from all over the world uh, for the heart revolution. Can you talk a little about that? And I was a guest on it. Thank you so much for having yeah. me on as a guest. I wanted to talk about how toxic metals like cadmium uh, can cause hardening of the arteries and contribute to heart disease. Uh, big, big factor in my opinion. So talk a little about the heart revolution. So yes, yeah, so I knew I had to have you on as a guest of the heart revolution because yes, these toxins and these metals that are so pervasive in our environment that we just don't think about, it's not talked about, we aren't told by our conventional doctors. And so big part of it. Thank you so much for being part of the heart revolution, Wendy. Yes, my pleasure. Yeah. So heart disease, you know, it's the leading cause, leading killer of men and women worldwide. And I did read some research that even though it's the leading cause of death in women, only about 40% of the female population even know this is true. So we focus on things like autoimmune diseases and cancer when it comes to women's health. Um, and, but actually cancer, Wendy kills um, heart disease kills more women than all forms of cancer combined. Wow. That, that's huge. We're talking breast cancer, skin cancer, lung cancer, thyroid, you know, ovarian, just that is a staggering statistic. Yeah. And my grandmother, she died of heart failure. She had a massive heart attack. 
about two months after her spouse died. This is my father's mother. And, you know, it makes me worry myself. Oh, I'm not worried about heart disease so much because I take such good care of myself. She smoked and drank. So grandma was partying. Um, So unfortunately, she uh, suffered from heart disease as a result. Um, But uh, but yeah, it's a huge factor for so many women that we need to be paying attention to. Mm-hmm. And since, you know, I don't want to sound sexist, but women, it's, you know, knowing that we're kind of usually more intuitive, more in touch with our emotions, mm-hmm. more emotional, and emotions do have an impact on our heart. We've known this, you know, culturally for a really long time, but the science is coming out to show that. And when you talk about the death in your family, you know, there is an actual syndrome called broken heart disease. It was discovered by uh, a Japanese physician, I forget his name, but a, a spontaneous or really highly emotional event can cause a heart attack or cause cardiac arrest. And it is often sometimes that people lose a loved one and you know, that kind of brings in more of an energetic aspect to it. But our body systems are so connected. And a lot of the research that's coming out from Heart Math Institute, for instance, who's also part of the heart revolution, is this heart field that can be measured, just as our brain waves can be measured, this heart field can be measured for as far as three to four feet outside of our body. And this this energy, um, it it is directed to all areas and actually speaks to our body. Now, this sounds really woo-woo, but there's science. There's science behind this. You know how with grounding, for instance, we know that the Earth's electromagnetic field gives our bodies a negative charge. Like our cells need a negative charge to really thrive. That's why antioxidants are so important because antioxidants help keep our body, remove the oxidation, help us process that and keep us in that negative charge. Well, the Earth's biofield does the same thing. So the Earth acts like an antioxidant, and it really affects the heart field and helps the heart stay in coherence. Um, You know, we know now that we used to think that the heart beat, you know, in regular intervals, but this idea of heart rate variability is how your heartbeat adapts, that space between two heartbeats adapts to our environment. So let's say we just you know, ate some seafood without high in mercury, maybe our heart rate goes a little bit faster because it's trying to detox more or a change in the weather or or a social stressful situation, that heart rate changes. And it really shows how our body is so interconnected. And it sounds woo woo, like I said, but the science is really there. No, I don't think it's woo-woo at all. I actually do a bioenergetic program myself called Ness Health, N-E-S Health. Oh, sure. And it's Harry Massey's program that he brilliantly developed. And, Absolutely. you know, he's had the founder of HeartMath talk on his uh, his film, The Living Matrix, that I recommend everybody watch. And it's true. Our hearts have this energetic field and emotional trauma affects it. Uh, death of a child, death of a loved one, uh, you know, physical, emotional, sexual abuse, all have a dramatic effect, uh, broken hearts on on the physical functioning of the heart. And so it's true that that can we talk more about that, like uh, mind body association or that physical, physical, emotional aspect of the heart's functioning? Yeah. So wonderful example, Harry Massey, who's also speaking on the heart revolution. So everyone should tune into that after they listen to Wendy's. Um, but yes, so this, this 
this bio field and our heart field really um, not only talks to all of our body systems, but again, it interacts with the environment. And so one aspect that's been really studied is laughter. And interestingly enough, you might um, think that the body knows, or a listener might think the body might know the difference between like a just spontaneous laugh or a contrived laugh. But what they found is when people laugh on purpose, like they just like there's exercises that we learn in the heart revolution of how to like laugh more. And it starts off as a contrived laugh with these breathing exercises. And then what happens is your body kind of catches on and starts laughing and it creates um, more vasopressin in our bloodstream that helps helps us relax, helps our heart muscle relax, helps our blood vessels relax, and it has a beautiful impact on heart health. So laughter is one really important way. Um, and a similar thing happens with with crying. When we release our emotions instead of holding it in, there's vasopressin released and also oxytocin. Um, it's harder for men to get oxytocin, interestingly enough. There's only a few instances really where men get oxytocin um, one is through orgasm, and they can also get um, oxytocin through like holding a baby or skin on skin, like full body hug contact for more than six seconds. Women can get a dose of oxytocin just from talking to each other. So you and I right now talking and engaging, we're, you know, sharing the love. <laughs> <laughs> but it has a really wonderful impact on heart rate, blood flow blood pressure and um, really keeps our, our hearts strong. There's some really interesting things speaking of like the mind and body connection on the body side of it. There's some new insights about blood. Um, they've discovered that when an embryo is forming, that the blood starts to flow before the heart starts to beat. Like I get goosebumps when I think about that because we think of the heart as this pump that pumps the blood through our body, right? But with some of Gerald Pollack's work, for instance, with the fourth phase of water, showing that water has this kind of almost not just water, vapor, ice, and liquid, that there's also this like gel-like hydrophilic wave where the blood and the water and the blood kind of move spontaneously. So there's this intelligence even in our blood. Um, and I think when we think about also like how our blood is formed, it's formed inside of our bones. And what is it formed with? It's formed by what we put inside of our bodies. So we are creating our own blood with every decision that we make, Wendy. Wow. Yeah, it's it, so, it's, so interesting. So grief is a natural and normal emotion. And processing grief healthfully is so important to the health of our heart. You know, our our heart field, our heart chakra, however you want to, to call it, really is um, an emotional center. And grief is often treated now with medication, right? It usually, some you know, somebody goes through a period of loss or grief or someone passes away or a loss in a job or a relationship, and it's usually treated with drugs that kind of stunt the proper processing of, of grief. Um, now, there are, there are ways that people can get stuck in grief. So, so, so at the Heart Revolution, we talk about that too. But processing grief and letting your heart really feel what it's supposed to feel is kind of like allowing a fever to take place. Because 
that grief is not just a symptom, but we know that symptoms are the way that the body heals itself. So a fever, for instance, is a symptom, but it's also the body's way of killing virus or a pathogen. And grief is similar. Grief um, is known in many different cultures and societies as a time to like, stay in, be quiet, nurture yourself, take good care of yourself. And so grief, even though it's so difficult, it's really important that we listen to it um, to keep that stress level that is so that so affects our hearts. You know, grief can grief can really be speaking of that broken heart disease. I took my girls to a field trip at this animal shelter, and it was mostly rabbits. Apparently, they're way more rabbits than people want to keep as pets. Yeah. <laughs> so, we, so we took them to this rabbit shelter, and they were all paired in twos in these little rabbit hutches. And wherever one, there was one rabbit, they always had a stuffed rabbit there with it. And they explained to the children that they, they, you know, bond in pairs for life. And that when one of the rabbits passes away, the other one grieves and often that other rabbit will pass away as well. So they bring in like stuffed rabbits to help <laughs> the grieving. Oh, call. poor rabbits. <laughs> I know. And it's, and it's sad and it's kind of silly, but it just is a good example that when we go through grief, we really have to take that time to nurture ourselves because it can affect our heart. You know, we can't live, stress is going to happen, life is going to happen, grief is going to happen. And so that's why it's so important to nourish ourselves, you know, avoid toxins and detox also, but then look at those times in our lives where we really need to nourish. And, to, and grief has such, such an impact on the heart. It's really amazing. And then the heart chakra you know, depending on what culture you listen to, has certain like foods and um, practices that really nurture, practice having an open heart, really being present inside you. Um, someone really described it to me in a really neat way. Like when a virus say to you, like point to yourself, what would you do? <laughs> Usually people point right to their heart. Oh, okay, yeah. Yeah, I pointed to my, my brain, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's my more other, valued organ, I guess. Well, that's the other common one. And you know what's so fascinating about that is that our hearts and brains are so connected. You know, there's this whole new field of medicine that we go into real detail with the heart revolution and its neurocardiology. There is a whole field of science emerging that looks at this connection between the heart and the brain and how they interact with each other. And we now know that the heart also gives off hormones. It's an endo you know, it's an endocrine gland as well. So it's like a muscle, it's a pump, it's a seat of emotions, it's an endocrine gland, it's got intelligence and intuition. So it's really so fascinating. But this field of um cardio like neurocardiology has some other fascinating ideas right now we look at heart disease mostly based on blood flow and like plaque and artery health and that is one aspect of heart disease and we can talk a little bit about that but there's another theory of heart attack that some scientists are going to talk about at the heart revolution that really aren't being talked about anywhere else and it's this whole idea of like maybe like a nervous system weakness or failure. And there was even this remedy that was used for many years called Wabane. And it's natural, it's from a plant. And it was used widely, mostly in Europe and German, you know, Germany and throughout there, um, until it 
it was really widely used in Germany until it sort of the German like equivalent of the FDA put a stop to it. And, you know, there's some wonder like, why did that happen? Maybe it's because statin drugs are like a multi-billion dollar industry. Um, and so we're going to talk a little bit about this, this, it has really helped people regain their health and it's starting to come back. It's starting to emerge again and look at maybe all these ways that we're treating heart disease and we're still failing, Wendy, because I think something like one third of all of people over the age of 40 is on a statin drug. That is just makes me want to vomit. <laughs> really, mm -hmm. it's frightening. It and is. It, it is. It's like one of the number one medications that are prescribed and there's a reason for that. Good doctors make money. They get awards. They get cash awards and vacations and the more scripts they write and it's not it's not about your health. It's not about you living a high quality of life for a long time or even preventing heart disease. It's yeah. disgusting what mm -hmm. happens. And I, I watch it. Statins killed my father. I, I really truly believe that. And uh, he took him for 10 years. And this is brilliant genius uh, over 10 years got to the point where he could barely take care of himself and had to go to a nursing home. And mm -hmm. along the way developed diabetes, which now there's research showing the connection between statins and development of diabetes. And then you get the di diabetes and you're more susceptible to cancer. And it's like kind of this downhill spiral that a lot of people find themselves on. So let's talk a little about statins and why people should really be questioning their physician if their doctor recommends them to take statin cholesterol lowering medication. Well, you know, it's interesting because generally you do, your cholesterol does raise a little bit as you age, right? And that's because cholesterol is so important to hair growth, hormones, your, our brain health. So at least in this naturopathic perspective, it's natural for your, your cholesterol to go up a little bit. But we really know now, as you know, Wendy, that cholesterol isn't really what's causing heart disease. And so statins are really pretty much missing the boat. You know, we know that plaque isn't really caused by cholesterol. We know that it's sugar intake. We know that sugar um, causes, you know, this cascade of inflammation in your body and it wreaks havoc on your veins and arteries. And then your body uses cholesterol to make hair, skin, nails, tissues, such as your blood vessels. And really what we think and know really is that the cholesterol is trying to kind of, re or not the cholesterol, I'm sorry, but the plaque is trying to like repair an area. It's like your body, just like inflammation is the way your body tries to heal itself, but it gets stuck. So the statins just totally misses the boat altogether about what the cause of heart disease is. They should be telling people to stop eating sugar. And we also know that heavy metals in the blood can cause plaques. And, 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 and then we talk about this heart brain connection too, is that we know that metals can cause plaque buildup in the brain that leads to dementia, Alzheimer's disease. You know, I lost my father to Lewy body dementia and it was, it was terrible. So I feel for you. I understand to see somebody smart and vibrant you know, and but it's just happening all over the world. It's one of the most prescribed medications. I, there was a doctor, um, 
has a really unusual last name and it's just evading me right now that said basically he was a conventional physician that says that statins should be in the water supply. Oh gosh. And the frightening thing, oh, his last name is Reckless. So you can look it up. <laughs> yeah, it's true. Sounds very like Reckless advice. Yeah. But you know what else, you know, when we think about toxins and stuff is that in a way statins are in our water supply because our water supply, as you teach about, is so toxic and all the pharmaceutical residues that are in there, too. So, you know, it's just a kind of a crime, really, that statins don't really address the cause. They cause, you know, some simple things like sexual dysfunction in men because they have, you know, that kind of hormonal cascade because of the drop in blood pressure, the, the their natural cholesterol that they need. Instead of just telling them to stop eating sugar, um, it's it's really sad. You know, vitamin C, we talked a little bit off, off the screen here about supplements. And one really overlooked supplement for heart health is vitamin C. I mean, there's a reason Linus Pauling won a Nobel Prize for, for vitamin C. Vitamin C ha has shown to really improve blood flow. But also, you know, vitamin C is the number one wound healer. You know, it's the best antioxidant for tissue, healthy tissue, including your blood vessels. Um, you know, it's been used for a long time kind of in like naturopathic circles, like against bruising and for healthy skin. It's really great to prevent against wrinkles. But vitamin C is excellent, excellent for your heart. And um you know, so eating, you can take a great vitamin C supplement, but eating more citrus, more strawberries, more spinach and leafy greens is really a great way to get more vitamin C. And another supplement that is kind of up and coming is PQQ. And I'm not going to say it right, so we'll just call it PQQ. <laughs> <laughs> but it is this enzyme kind of similar to CoQ10. It's not really recognized as um, a vitamin yet. It's more of like a cofactor but it shows to really help with mitochondrial function and it's really helpful for cognition and the heart. And um, I think we're going to learn more about that in the near future. And Dr. Michael Murray, who is, you know, one of the top naturopathic physicians in the world, um, he is going to talk about PQQ and how important it is to health. And I guess it's in every cell in our body. It's in stardust. So mm -hmm. it's really element that is this everywhere and it'll be interesting as science kind of helps to reveal why we maybe are deficient oh because statins also lower lower our own body's natural coq10 yeah. as well yeah it's just crazy to me how it, it really speaks to how when medical doctors prescribe statins and they don't also recommend coenzyme q10 yes. they don't know what they're doing Run right. for the hills because the, you know, anyone that is worth their salt and that knows what they're doing in practicing medicine of any type, that the, the statins also poison the enzyme that produce CoQ10 in the liver. And so you're going to become drastically deficient in CoQ10, which you have to have for heart health. Yes. And you, you have to have that. And so uh, it's really sad when I see uh, doctors saying that you know are ignoring that they don't know it or they know it and they don't recommend it i've heard i've actually debated with a doctor over breakfast about why people he refuses to recommend coq10 because the research shows people don't need it and it's just ridiculous well, um, you know yeah. wendy 
they don't have a sales rep for CoQ10 knocking on their office door and giving them like, you know, prescription pads and golf and things like that. But they do have somebody for a statin drug, you know, in the waiting room with lunch, just kind of feeding them the information. And just like we as patients sometimes just blindly listen to like what our doctor says, like a robot, the doctor's they're busy, they're seeing a patient every six minutes, and they're getting a lot of their information from these sales reps. They're sales reps, you know? It's, it's, it's tragic. Yeah, and people ultimately, they have to take responsibility for their own health. You, you have to arm yourself with knowledge as a patient. You can't go to anyone and expect them to care as much about your health as you do. And, and a lot of people, they, they go into their doctor and they just, they just want to feel better. Like, what can I take? Make me feel better. Write me a pill. I just want a pill, something easy. And you, you, people have to get away from that type of mentality because it is killing them. And mm-hmm. people have to educate themselves on diet and lifestyle and other things. And the people who don't do that or don't, they don't want to take the time or energy to do that will pay the price. You're so right, Wendy. And it just, it's a real pet peeve of mine where people, they kind of just, we've been brainwashed as a society that it's like, it's going to be this easy fix that I can just take a pill. I even heard a statin drug commercial that said like, when diet and exercise don't work. I don't know if you've seen that one. It says that in the commercial. And it's like, that is just basically giving somebody a cop out, like drive through and get your donuts and then just take your pill and the other thing is that people rely, they think that it's like their doctor or even the government's job to take care of them. Like we've totally lost this ability to realize that like we, like you said, have to know more about our health than anybody else. The doctor is there to teach you. That's where the word doctor comes from, docere, docere, to teach. The doctor is just supposed to teach you how you can be as healthy as possible and how you can prevent disease. And it's like people just... It's sad that we've been kind of like brainwashed away from taking it back. But that is why there's podcasts like this one Mm -hmm. (laughs) and events like the events that you put on your supplement summit. What is the name of that one? Yeah, Medicinal Supplement Summit. Medicinal Supplement Summit and then the detox project you were part of and the heart revolution. We're we're sort of getting out our megaphones to anyone who, who wants to listen, who wants to feel good again and saying that it is in your power just educate yourself because we walk around in these bodies and we know more about our smartphones than we do about our body system. You know, I mean, you could probably ask somebody like on the street, like, what is your spleen for? And most people just don't know because that's not what we're, we're taught. Yeah. Yeah. And you know, and I think there's a lot of great doctors out there and there's a lot of great ones, but you know, each kind of medical or health professional serves a different purpose. And I think it's smarter to have a team of people. So you go to your doctor for diagnosis. And if you need a medication, which we do need sometimes, uh, you, he can write that for you. But you don't go to him to heal your body, okay? Mm-hmm. Unless it's like a medical doctor, they, they just don't know how to do that. You know, they're not taught that. Their education is much, much different. You want to get to the underlying root cause of your health conditions. Usually you have to go to a naturopathic physician or a health coach or other functional diagnostic nutrition or, or other type of person who's trained to do that. And there's a lot of amazing medical doctors out there that question their education and further their education, get degrees in nutrition or whatever, very far and few between. Um, so, you know, we don't want to... 
bash doctors too much, but the majority, but majority of them are flying blind and just parrot what they learn in medical school and are doing you a disservice in doing that. And Mm -hmm. so I just want to make, say that those two words. Yeah, absolutely. No, it's so true. And I think most doctors, if not all go into medicine because they want to help people, but people only know what either they're taught or what they seek out to learn. And that's why for most people that are in this field that we are in, Wendy, they have their own health crisis or somebody really close to them that they're so just sad or angry that that there was no one to help them, that they usually go on a journey to become trained in holistic, naturopathic, functional medicine. And just thank God for that. Absolutely. And and that's how I got here. That's how you got here. And you, you learn by being the patient uh, uh, pretty much. Uh, that's definitely how I learned as well. And so, so back to heart disease. So heart disease is a silent killer of women. And, but most of the research is done on men. And mm-hmm. so uh, can you speak to a little bit about like how men and women's heart disease looks a little bit different? Yeah, sure. So <clears throat> lots of times the signs are kind of misdiagnosed in women because for women, for a man, what they usually look for are like really overweight, high blood pressure, or a sudden pain leading to a heart attack. But for women, it can be symptoms like malaise, just general fatigue. Um, it can be fatigue, you know, upon exertion. It can be pain like in the back, shoulder, blade, arm. But it also can be like stomach upset or even bloating. Um, so, you know, the... the the heart has a really intimate relationship with estrogen as well, and men don't really have a lot of estrogen in their bodies. They have some, but because women have this cycle too, it's something that they sometimes miss some of the symptoms because they'll say that it's like their period or menopause, you know, some of those symptoms they're having, like the fatigue or the bloating and things like that. So it really is a silent killer because we aren't taught to look for some of those signs and then someone will just have a heart attack or heart disease and will think like, well, they were healthy until then, but maybe they hadn't checked for cadmium, right? Or they hadn't checked for a nutrient deficiency like magnesium or vitamin D. And so for women, it's just something that's always been treated as like a middle-aged male disease. Um, And so it's really important because I kind of because, like I said, women are kind of usually more emotionally centered than men. Forgive me if anyone listening is offended by that. But, you know, I kind of say that that means women are dying of broken hearts because we're often like these multitaskers. We're usually the ones that seek out, um, you know, the oxytocin, that bonding, um, kind of it's just part of our nature. And we're the ones that bear children and have to do that nurturing And so there are so many ways that a woman's heart is vulnerable, whether it's through the environment, whether it's through their emotions, whether it's through constant giving and becoming depleted or toxicity. I think that we're just a little bit more vulnerable and we're just not paying attention to it, you know. So I'm really hoping that this event can shed some light. You know, I I actually did have my own brush um, with heart disease. I was 14 years old. But mine was from an eating disorder. So I actually was dying. I was dying in the hospital with heart failure. And 
it was really shameful too because it was like I didn't like get heart disease because I was you know eating too much cholesterol or whatever but it was um you know I remember the staff and stuff treated me really differently as if somebody who's in the hospital for heart failure because they ate donuts every day right um but I I healed from that experience um and so I feel like this is kind of full circle for me because it started it started with the heart and ended with learning about natural medicine and really helped me to understand the mind body connection yeah yeah and you know t tell us more about the heart revolution so when is it airing uh, when can people listen to this because it's, it's so interesting to me because i actually started this podcast like oh let's talk about the statistics about uh and the science and the and all this other stuff but it turned out to be so much more interesting about that emotional uh physical connection that i'm really uh you know exploring more and more learning more and more about and how important that is and that people need they need attention brought to that because their emotional life very much dramatically impacts their physical health so talk to us about when we can tune in and learn more about the heart revolution sure so the heart revolution runs february 25th through march 5th so it's like eight days in there of just all day long, fantastic interviews, doctors, scientists, relationship experts, health coaches, spiritual teachers, really looking at every aspect of our heart. And then we're going to have um, a few weeks after that. I don't have the date yet, but we're going to have an encore weekend as well. Um, but yeah, February 25th through March 5th at, um, I think you have a link here at your podcast site. Yes, yeah, you guys can uh, tune in on live2110.com on Razzie Berry's blog, a post for the podcast. You can beat lots of links about her, where you can connect with her and get to the summit and find her on social media. Thank you. Well, thank you so much for coming on the podcast. I really, really appreciate it. And tell us uh, where we can find you. Like, what is your website and, and whatnot? Sure. So my practitioner-based website for people who really love the science is ndnr.com. That's for Naturopathic Doctor News and Review. And then the website for patients is Natural Path, and it's thenatpath.com. And you can find me there. Fantastic. Well, Razi, thank you so much for coming on the show. So appreciate it. And listeners, if you want to learn more about me, go to live2110.com. That is if you want to live that long, disease-free, medication-free. And you can go to my healing and detox website uh, called mineralpower.com. That is my detox program where we detox with minerals and natural supplements and uh, binders and things like that to remove your body from metals so it functions how it's supposed to function to free you from fatigue and brain fog. Thank you so much for listening to the Live to 110 podcast.